Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Atlas Benefits. Atlas Benefits has solutions for your insurance needs. Atlas Benefits can help you obtain Medicare, health, or life insurance, and employee benefits. You can find them on the web at www.atlasbenefits.com. Or you can contact Rob Ducey or Roy Smith at 727-600-2892 and mention Legacy Battle Podcast. Atlas Benefits has all the solutions for your insurance needs. Enjoy the show. This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube, iHeart, Google Podcast, Podnod, Spotify, Apple. We're on 10 different platforms at least, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Athletics, Kevin Adams, Ball State Athletics, Paul Havocott. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a, a a retired jockey went from 82 to 98, and then he came out of retirement in 2009, went for another two years there. He has over 13,000 starts, and check out this win total. I got 1,677 first places and over 1,500 second places and over 1,500 third places. So if he was on the track, there was a good chance you were going to see a top three finish. He's got career earnings. Uh, you know, he may not like me throwing this number out there, but career earnings of just about $18 million, so not too shabby. We got jockey Dale Cordova here. Dale, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. This is our first first uh, horse racing debate, so I'm looking forward to this. We're going to be debating the greatest horse of all time. Uh, there's a lot of good horses out there, but we've uh, – narrowed it down to what we felt was our top four tonight. And of course, we'll get Dale's opinion on all those and ask him some questions about his career afterwards. So let's start this out tonight with, uh, let's go War Admiral. War Admiral, he was uh, the fourth horse to win the American Triple Crown. He did that in 1937. He's a champion American thoroughbred race horse. Uh, in 37, uh, he also won Horse of the Year. And he is well known as, you know, the rival was Seabiscuit in that match race of the century back in 1938. Uh, unfortunately, he did lose that race, but he was outmatched in size. I will throw that out there. See, Biscuit was bigger. Uh, he won 21 of his 26 starts, earning over $273,000, which was a lot for the 30s uh, and 40s. Uh, so that's a decent chunk of change. Uh, he was the leading sire in North America in 1945. He also uh, has influence still felt today in the horse racing world uh, because he has descendants that won the triple crown uh, you might know the horses american pharaoh and justify they're actually descendants of his so his namesake i guess you could say is still uh, successful to today uh, so he also has helped produce um 
you know, triple crown winners in, in his footsteps, uh, following his footsteps because he had won it as well. He is uh, the offspring of one of the other horses we're going to talk about, Man of War, uh, which his father did not win the triple crown, uh, throwing that out there, but my horse did. Um, and as, as, uh, as I said before, he was, he was actually smaller than his dad as well. Um, but he had better talent than his dad, Man of War. Uh, because of his size, one of his nicknames was the Mighty Adam, A-T-O-M. Uh, others referred to him simply as the Admiral. Um, his regular jockey, uh, when he won the Triple Crown, Charles Kurtzinger, um, he was elected in the Hall of Fame. The horse, uh, War Admiral, was in the Hall of Fame the same year as Sea Biscuit. Um, in the Blood Horse ranking of the top 100 U.S. Thoroughbred champions of the 20th century. He is ranked 13th ahead of Seabiscuit. Um, Man of War and Secretariat, who we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Unfortunately, they are ranked higher than him. Um, but I still think that War Admiral uh, definitely has a, a good shot here. He would bolt onto the racetrack. He was like a race car engine. He could accelerate quick to high speeds, and he could maintain those high speeds for a long distance. So to recap his career, Fourth Triple Crown winner. He was a U.S. champion, three-year-old Colt, U.S. Horse of the Year, leading sire in North America, leading broadmare sire in North America twice. He had 12 major wins, finished with a record of 21-3-1. I think he has a strong argument to say he's the best horse tonight. If you got to be on the defense half the time on your argument, yeah. that tells me all I need Very to know. defensive argument. Extremely <laughs> defensive. So, Dale, I mean – Tell us your thoughts on War Admiral, and also, can you be the greatest horse if you lost your biggest race? <laughs> well, uh, War Admiral's huge, huge in, uh, like, uh, the descendants of most major racehorses in, in the country right now. So that's that's a big, big, big plus. Um, small horse, but he was mighty, and... Uh, so, yeah, War Admiral, he, he can be one of the top. So, when he lost to Seabiscuit, that's one of the biggest races in, in horse racing history. I mean, I don't think we've – maybe you might know better than me. Is there another, like, matchup that you could think of that is as big as that? Um, actually, uh, probably not. The uh, Seabiscuit was – He's an iron horse. Uh, even though uh, War Admiral came off the Triple Crown, Seabiscuit, uh, he, he he would race every three or four days, so he was tough. And he, he uh, as far as a match race, I think that's probably the best, best match race in probably the history. So let's move on to War Admiral's daddy. Who's your daddy? It's Man of War. All right. Well, I got to answer some of these shots fired already from Kevin Adams here. Uh, so, Man of War, he was a descendant of the first ever English Triple Crown winner, West Australian. And his line traces all the way back to the uh, Godolphin Arabian, which was a legendary horse and, and sire in Great Britain and Ireland. Um, and he was a direct uh, sire from uh, 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 of Fair Play, uh, who had eight major wins in uh, 07 and 08. So Man of War, he was a chestnut-colored horse with a white star and a stripe on his forehead. It was kind of like as if nature, you know, kind of marked him for greatness. Uh, he stood 16 and a half hands tall. Uh, he had flawless legs, a notably high head carriage. His stride was me measured at 28 feet, 
which uh, many still believe is the longest ever recorded. Uh, he was bred by August Belmont Jr., who was the son of the man um, behind the Belmont Stakes. Uh, 1917, Belmont, he went to fight in World War I. So his wife named the horse Man o' War in his honor. Uh, a year later, though, she had to sell the horse uh, for five grand to a man from Maryland by the name of Samuel D. Riddle. Uh, on the track, Man o' War was just an absolute legend. He won 20 of 21 races uh, that he ever entered from 1919 to 1920 earning $250,000, which would be about $3.5 million today. Uh, he was named the American champion Colt in 1919, the American champion three-year-old horse in 1920, and also the American horse of the year. So there are a couple of knocks on this horse, which Kevin already brought up. So let's talk about them. First off, his only loss, it occurred at Saratoga, he finished second to a horse appropriately named Upset. Uh, so what happened? Well, there was a late substitution and a new gate operator uh, took over. He began the race. Man of War was actually turned to the left in the, you know, in the actual um, stable there. And it took a moment for him to square up and he ended up losing by a half a length. 11 days later, Man of War was able to beat Upset by a full length, proving that this was a fluke. And then, of course, the second knock, Man of War did not win a Triple Crown. This is true, but it's not like he lost a Triple Crown. He just never raced in the Kentucky Derby. So, but he did race against the Triple Crown winner of 1919, Sir Barton, and he beat him by seven lengths. So in 1919, uh, Blood Horse Magazine assembled a panel of seven horse racing experts. Man of War was their choice as number one of the entire 20th century. And then the author of the classic book series, The Black Stallion, Walter Farley, he wrote a bi biography of a horse and he chose to, to make it after Man of War. So this horse not only had a great pedigree, Voted the, the best all time. His only loss can be explained away by shenanigans. And <laughs> classic authors wrote about him. So he's clearly number one. So, Dale, every year there is millions and millions of dollars spent on horse breeding. This guy's family tree is horse racing. I mean, Man of War is the man. What, what are your thoughts on him and, and just horse after horse that has his DNA? Uh, I, probably 90% of the horses that race right now have his DNA. Uh, he's uh, proven to be, uh, I think, out of all of his offspring, there's, oh, I think there's like been, not offspring, but descendants, five uh, Triple Crown winners, four or five, and uh, Kentucky Derby winners. Um, so his, his uh, descendants are huge. I mean, he's probably the most influential horse ever to be. He only has that one loss. And as Brian stated, there were circumstances to it. I mean, how hard is it for a horse? To, well, a horse isn't going to feel the pressure like the, the jockey will, but to maintain that level of greatness, how hard is it to do that for that long of a time period? Oh, it, it, yeah. And, and uh, the thing is, uh, any negative thing about him is because horses would uh, people wouldn't compete against him. I mean, he was the best there was, and they had short fields because uh, 
nobody even wanted to to run second to him. They just uh, and he. Uh, I think the the best part of him is that you know he could do anything. He could come from behind, he'd go to the front, no matter what. But I guess it's just his heart that uh, pretty much he he uh, gives to everything, gives to all his descendants. Well, let's move on to Secretariat. Okay, I got Secretariat, nicknamed Big Red, and ridden by jockey Ron Turcott. Did did you guys mention the jockeys on your horses? I mean, we're talking to a big-time jockey here, and you guys have not even read your jockeys off. I said okay. mine. Oh, did you? Okay, I just wanted Dale to realize that all you got from Kevin was negativity and excuses <laughs> from Ron. But anyway, he's the ninth winner of the American Triple Crown, setting and I believe still holding the fastest uh, record in all three races. He was like the first Triple Crown winner in like a 25-year hiatus, and he had that record-breaking uh, victory at Belmont Stakes, which he won by like 30, 31 lengths. During his racing career, he won five Eclipse Awards, including Horse of the Year honors at ages two and three. Altogether, he won 16 of 21 of his career races and had total earnings of $1,316,808. More important than the winnings, probably, is that he's ranked way higher than Kevin's horse on a lot of these charts. But uh, let's review some wins here. Uh, Triple Crown winner, the Kentucky Derby, Preakness Stakes, and Belmont Stakes in 1973. In 72, he won the Sanford Stakes, uh, Hopeful Stakes, Futurity Stakes, Laurel for Charity Stakes, Garden State Futurity. These are a mouthful. And then uh, in 73, he won the Bayshore Stakes, Gotham Stakes, Arlington Invitational, Marlboro Cup, Man of War Stakes, named after my boy Brian's horse, who will probably come in, in second tonight. And the uh, Canadian International. He had the U.S. Uh, Racing Hall of Fame induction in 1974. Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame in 07, Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame in 13. He's on a U.S. postage stamp. Do you guys, are you guys, any of your horses on a postage stamp? Anyway, uh, that was 99 if you want to go back and get one of those on eBay. And he's ranked number two, I think, in the 100 U.S. race horses of the 20th century. I think uh, also, maybe Dale can confirm this, I think Secretariat's buried standing up. I'm not sure. I think that's true. Uh... I can't confirm that because I, I, I guess I don't know that. Yeah, I think his memorial or grave is standing up, but somebody, well, maybe one of the viewers, maybe Mike can correct me. I don't know. I think I'm right, though. But anyway, that's Secretariat. Probably going to be the winner tonight. Hey, real quick, War Admiral did have a stamp as well. Thanks. Did he? What year? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. It would have been awesome if I, you have told the year. I think Seabiscuit no. had one, too. But, um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, Dale, horses today are bigger and stronger than they've ever been. We know more about training and diet today, yet Secretariat has the triple crown record of best times. How does that still stand today? I, I, I cannot comprehend that. <laughs> Well, you know, if you compare that to back in, in the uh, 1919 and, and the 1930s, uh, track condition is huge. Uh, they didn't even have a, they didn't even water the track. Uh, it wasn't leveled right. It was tougher to run on. And it's just like running through a field. And uh, when Secretariat ran, they had uh, the surface was 
perfect. I mean, they had it to uh, six inches and it was drained uh, to where um, there was no holes or anything. So, so it's hard to compare uh, times uh, from, you know, 1919 to 1973 because of the conditions of the track. Also, um, shoes, you know, like uh, steel shoes back when Madame War was running and then aluminum with toe grabs and uh, jockeys. There was no, no, they didn't have goggles back then in the, in the 1900s and the 1930s. So if you got behind, you were riding with your eyes closed because that stuff comes back, it's gravel, gravel hitting you in the head with the, uh, you know, the, the size of that horse's neck is as big as our body. And so when they're, uh, and, and they're hindquarters, so when they're throwing back a pile of rocks at you and you have nothing to protect yourself, you can't really see the whole way. So it's, uh, there was a lot of different, uh, different things between the 1900s and the 1970s. So when he, he won that triple crown, it, you know, it was mentioned that he set the record at every track. I mean, why do you think we haven't seen that again today? Uh, I think, you know, just like uh, when Man of War, he, when he won the Triple Crown, he set records. He had a world record. Uh, he won a race by 100 lengths before. It was only against one horse, but still. <laughs> uh, distances and, and times, you know, they, they vary. Uh, as far as not being broken yet, it was, he had a great day. He had a really good day. Well, let's move on to our final horse tonight. That is going to be Seabiscuit. Uh, you know, he was ridden, you think he was ridden by Toby McGuire, but that's just for the movie. So he was born in 1933, and then he died in 1947, unfortunately. But he was trained by Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons and Tom Smith. Those are two very, very solid trainers there, famous uh, he's the U.S. Horse of the Year in 1938 and the U.S. Handicap Mail in 37 and 38. He has six statues of him around this country of the United States. So he is well-known all around and beloved by, by millions um, around the country. And, of course, uh, you know, I mentioned the movie that starred Tobey Maguire. Secretariat also had a movie made about him, of course, or her, him, yeah. So Seabiscuit. Kevin had mentioned this. He raced War Admiral in 1938, um, and Seabiscuit obliterated him by four lengths. So it, it wasn't as close as a race as everybody thought it was going to be. I know four lengths doesn't sound like that long, but it is a, a, a nice victory. So, um, you know, he got off to a fast start, and he never looked back. Um, and thousands of fans stormed the track after that race. This was like this was like a huge thing that was going on that, that took the country's mind off of the war and, and put it on something just, you know, great that was happening. Um, and they called it the horse race that stopped the nation. So Seabiscuit War Admiral is probably the, possibly the most famous race in, in horse racing history. Um, so he's got 89 starts, 133, and finished second or third 28 times. Um, you know, stats – alone can't measure what he has meant to America. He was the hero people needed during the Great Depression. 
Um, the underdog who lost most of his first 40 matches, believe it or not. So he was a late comer. Um, he was gutsy. Never say die horse. Uh, despite being undersized, you know, 15 point hands, 15.2 hands high. So he, he was a little undersized there. Um, but he went out there and he won a lot. And he overcame a career-threatening injury, which, uh, you know, none of the other horses were had that occur. So the fact that he was able to come back from what people said his career was over, that's that's very impressive. So, Dell, your, your thoughts on Seabiscuit? Uh, you know, we did mention that race against War Admiral a little bit already, but uh, what are your thoughts on him as a horse? As a horse, uh, 89 races. Uh, if you go through all the rest, you know, 20 races, uh, justify. He ran six races. Uh, to, to run 89 races, and most of them were like two or three days apart. And, you know, you, you run a hard race as hard as you can with the best there is. That takes a lot out of you. And so just the 89 starts alone is unbelievable. And, and the 33 wins. And he didn't run the Triple Crown because he was, he was mean. He, as a young horse, he was mean. He couldn't hardly be tamed. So once they tamed him, that's when he became great. And so as a horse, that's as solid as you can get. You know, that many races, being short, he was a heavy horse. It was hard on his legs. You know, he had big old legs, too. They were to hold that body. But um, as a horse, I, he's, he's a huge favorite of mine. He, as a sire, he didn't produce anything. But, yeah, he's a good one. So we're going to move into our vote here tonight. And... There's really no wrong answer tonight. I mean, these, yeah, are just, you're right. these are just four greats. Kevin, you happen to be in my corner tonight. You got first vote. Remember, you guys cannot vote for your own. Going with that, um, yeah, Seabiscuit beat my horse in that race. I don't care. War Emmer won the uh, Triple Crown. Seabiscuit did not. Man of War, good excuse, Brian, but he didn't win the Triple Crown either. And uh, so I'm going to have to go with Secretariat. Secretariat holds the fastest speeds. Um, I gotta go with him, Brian. <laughs> Kevin's always taking shots. I'm telling you. I mean, you can't you can't win the triple crown if you don't race in all three races. I was negative tonight, but I love his vote. His vote. So he didn't try. So basically, Man of War didn't try. Is what you're saying? <laughs> so all right. I mean, Sea Biscuit, great story. I, I, I really like that, you know, or a secretary or a war admiral. I was going to vote for them, but you know, Kevin's being the way he is. So I'm going to take my vote. I'm going to give it to the secretary because secretary, I would, the way Paul laid things out really impressed me. Thank there. You. So I'm, I'm going to go with negativity and taking shots at people. It's amazing. What are you going to call yeah, and, and the potion stamp for secretary from the beginning. <laughs> it had nothing to do with my argument. <laughs> Paul, go ahead. Um, man, I wish I could vote for Secretariat, but uh, if I'm thinking about things, you know, Kevin's argument was so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and just so arrogant. Uh, so, so it threw me off. So I'm really between Man of War or Seabiscuit. Um, you know, Mike, he's embellishing a little bit on, a, on, the, on the amount of hands. I think that's a big... I mean, that hurts a little bit. That You might as well take steroids or something, Mike. Uh, I'll go Man of War. You know, I'll go Man of War for Brian. Uh, 
So out of all these horses, the only one I wouldn't vote for would be War Admiral. And it's not because Kevin was taking shots. It's just <laughs> the fact that he lost to Seabiscuit. So even if you're ranking Seabiscuit fourth in these horses, well, War Admiral lost to him. So that makes him worse in my opinion. <laughs> War Admiral was smaller and won the Triple Crown. So, um, I, and, and even before this debate started, and then I, I listened to you guys tonight, I, I was already, like, thinking in my head, man, it's either Man of War or Secretariat. Um, th there's not a wrong answer here. I, I think they're pretty even. I'm just going to give give it to Man of War just because he's the father of <laughs> horse racing. <laughs> I mean, he... He, it's, it's his offspring is out there everywhere. So, I mean, you, you don't have Secretariat and and all these guys. You know, Man of War really really put horse racing made it made it huge. So, I'm going to tie it at two here. Dale, you can vote for any horse. Or you can break this tie. Who are you going with tonight? Oh, I'm 100 percent Man of War. Uh, <laughs> he didn't win the triple crown. <laughs> He didn't win the Triple Crown, but he beat the Triple Crown winner. Um, yeah, there you go. You know, he, he, he beat Sir Martin and mm -hmm. Triple Crown winner ever. Um, I think as a sire, uh, just, you know, he sired War Admiral. So War Admiral sired the rest of them. Uh, just him, he contributed more than anything, uh, any horse that ever in the history of racing um, I guess like his dad, which fair play probably should be the winner because he is a very distant cousin to Secretariat. So, uh, Man of War, hands down on my vote. And, and I like how you you said that with, with with the siren because the show is legacy battle. So it is more than just what you did in the races. You know, it's 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 usually a, a, an entire legacy, and Man of War's legacy is still going on today. So, uh, uh, just a couple shout-outs to the horses that just missed our list. Seattle Slough, Frankel, Far Lap, Zenyatta, and American Pharaoh. So, a bunch of good horses there. They all could have been in this debate. So, we're going to move into our Q&A. Uh, Brian, you got the win, so you get first question. And then, as soon as Dale is done answering the question, we're going to go. It'll be Brian, Paul, Kevin, me, and then back around. All right, Dale. So if I'm not mistaken, you left pro jockeying after 1998, but then returned in, in 2009, 2010, and then briefly again in 2011. So what was the reason that you left and what was the reason for the return? Uh, the reason I left was uh, I was just, you know, at the, at the top of the game, the major leagues, and I was traveling 11 months of the year. Uh, had two kids, a little baby and a little girl, and my wife pretty much gave me a choice. She says, uh, <laughs> she says either uh, you travel or are you going to raise your kids? And that day I hung up my tack and I raised my kids. And so it was tough because I'm when you're on the top there and uh, you have to walk away, It's it, it was tough. But, yeah, that was the reason. Happy wife. Reason I came back. Yeah, go ahead. I guess the reason I came back, you because know, I was retired after about ten years. Um, I I stay away from the racetrack because it's a, like a drug. 
so I went back to the racetrack and uh, it got back in my blood. So I, I came back to riding. So I'll I'll piggyback on or I'll horseback I'll horseback on Brian's you know ten year hiatus question uh, you know because I wanted to ask about that too and when you when you got it back in your mind you were gonna come back I read where you started you know dieting and you had to get back in in riding shape but early on you were losing weight quickly and you were kind of I guess the article said you were surprised with how well it was going. So there's probably a lot of people that are watching this that might just want to know what you did to shed some of the pounds so quickly to get back into it. You want to share and what, and what's a cheat day look like for you? Yeah, <laughs> no cheat day. <laughs> no, it was tough because uh, I had to lose 40 pounds and wow. it was weight that I put on, you know, over 10 years, it's hard to get off. Uh, once you get the mindset, and of course, with diet, you know, eat salads with, uh, you know, fish and chicken, you know, all the all the same diet foods that uh, is out there, and uh, with exercise. And as a jockey, you can't you, you can't do any uh, weightlifting or anything. It has to be uh, body weight exercises, running, uh, cardio. Uh, it's uh, and I did it all day, pretty much every day, just because that was, uh, it was in my head and I had to just get it done. So I wanted to know kind of what was your like favorite type of, of race racing style? I know there's different, different types of, of horse racing. What was your favorite and why? Um, I, I, I think the, the mile or further because there is so much uh, thinking you have to do as far as <clears throat> you have to know how when you leave the gates how fast the 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 lead horse is going how fast your horse is going where the the closers are you know you, when when the horses are front is going to start dying you know you have to start planning your so i mean there's a lot a lot of scientific stuff on the the longer races and uh timing and homework and everything. I think the longer races are were funner to me because there was more thinking involved. So I wanted to ask you, you've, I've seen a long list of horses that you've ridden, uh, Silver Goblin, Jaijo Silver, Above, A Trick in Time, just to name a couple of them. Who is your favorite horse and, and why? I, I think Silver Goblin was my favorite. I uh, rode him in the Preakness. Um, we okay. went <laughs> right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, uh, actually, Cigar was a huge horse at the time. He had a, he was on a, I think, uh, he he won like fifteen or something in a row, and and uh, at the time, mine was like eight in a row, and rode him in a, a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar race or something like that, and 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 Cigar beat me, but. Uh, Silver Goblin took me all over the country, and uh, it was it was just a great time. So you've been off the pro circuit as a jockey for over ten years now. What is it that you miss the most? Uh, everything as far as the just being around all the people. There's so much work involved, and so much 
planning and thinking and uh, communication and it's just it's uh, it's a fast pace and the work ethic on all the race trackers is people couldn't even imagine and just being around that was and the and the adrenaline in a race um when you walk out there you, you honestly don't know if you're going to come back so if you ride nine races and you come back it's like that's a great day because you, you know you can you can fall you, if you fall you're gonna something's gonna get hurt <laughs> you're gonna break something or you're gonna uh, it, it's bad so i think i think the adrenaline mostly in racing and uh, the when you win a race the the high uh, just the atmosphere you know just everything about it is you, you miss that and that's why i have to stay away i very rarely go to the racetrack because it's like uh, addicting to me right right bill kevin here he's often shared with me that if he was about three or four inches taller, he'd be a jockey, but he's just a little too short. But I think his problem is he'd be a trash talker. So my question is, put us out there. Do jockeys trash each other? Is there a lot of trash talking on that? I mean, do you have time for that? And, and maybe give us an example of you just trashing somebody, just ripping them up. <laughs> well, uh, as far as just, you know, joking around, we – Riders, jockeys are probably the most uh, practical jokes and everything more than any athlete. But as far as business-wise, you don't put nobody down because you start doing that, everybody's on you. And no, you no, you just you got to keep the respect. You know, you got to because, like I said, uh, everybody has their faults. They have bad days. They have good days. And if if you go and Go to the trainer and say, yeah, so-and-so, this or that. You know, you start trash-talking them. Well, you get a reputation for that, too. So, kind of almost a question similar to what Paul just asked you, but instead of trash-talking, when you're out on the track and you guys get in that big, like, group and, and you're in the middle and you're trying to get out of it, is there a lot of, like, you know, rough housing going on in that, in that pack and – uh, how do you get yourself out of being in the middle of a big group to try and get it, you know, up, up into the lead? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough situation because uh, if I have horse, if I still have a lot of horse under me, ain't nobody going to get through on me. Or I'm not going to give anybody a break. They can, you know, if, if their horse is running off with them and they clip my heels, I mean, I can't help it because I'm, I'm there to win the race. Um, if I'm out of horse and my horse is done and you know when a horse is done because there's just nothing there and a guy is behind me just fighting for his life just to stay up because you know horses if if, uh, if their feet just touch with them toe grabs they're down so you're just by inches missing so hey, if I'm out of horse completely and there's not even a chance to hit the board if there's a chance to run fourth, I'm still not going to give him a break. But if I'm done, I'm, I'm going to ease off a little little pressure. But we're in the jock room. We're great fans. We laugh and we joke around. But when that when you step on that racetrack, there is no friends. There is nothing there. You got to be 
you got to be competitive and you got to be, you know, want to win the race. So we'll get you out of here with this tonight. It's a two-parter. So uh, gambling is a huge, huge part of the sport. Can't, can't be understated how big gambling is with horse racing. Does it affect a race, like a racer's mind at all, knowing what the odds are on his horse? And the, the second question is, in all honesty, how much is it jockey and how much is it horse that is going to determine who's winning that race? Well, uh, as far as the odds, I've, I've won on probably as many long shots as anybody. Um, they don't mean, mean anything to me because uh, usually if I'm going to ride a horse, I've been on the horse during the training and I know how the horse is doing. And uh, so if I feel like he's on top of his game and uh, everybody's got 21, uh, that don't, I, I don't even look at that. That's, that's not even, that's, that's nothing to me. Um, is, what was the second question? I'm sorry. How much is it horse and how much is it jockey that determines when they win? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's why I forgot it. <laughs> oh, well, I say it's probably 30% jockey. If the horse isn't there, you can't, you can't do anything. And if the horse is there and the jockey's making wrong decisions out, out there, like timing and putting him in the wrong position and, uh, you, you know, the horse, the horse can carry the jockey, but if the jockey's not making the right decisions. He's not going to get there. So I think the horse is the bigger part of it. Well, that that was my guess too. So I, I was pretty accurate on that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting hey, too. Dale, I had a quick question, actually, to piggyback off what Michael just asked you, uh, real quick. Have you ever had a horse take over and like try to control the race itself and and like, has that ever happened? Oh, that happens more than you think. Um, you know, we try to teach horses from the, the very young age how to rate, how to be controllable. And like uh, a lot of these horses mentioned, like Seabiscuit, you know, some of them are just, they're mean. You know, they, they uh, you can't make them do anything. You have to ask them to. And if they let you, that's fine. Because, you know, like I said, their neck is as big around as your body. And it's solid muscle. If they want to turn their head just a little bit, I don't care how big you are. You're not going to pull it. You're not going to force it around. So uh, sometimes when you leave the gates and the horses are wanting to go, and you can pull as hard as you can, and if, if you know if there's no room, they scare the heck out of you. you. I went down many times because you know they'll run over the top of a horse and fall. And so, yeah, that's a scary feeling when you know you're going to go down and you can't do anything about it. So they take over. And but if you get, you know, a clear path, that's that's OK. Did you ever suffer any major injuries? Yeah. Uh, if you're a jockey, especially, you know, uh, over 13,000 races, you're going to go down quite a bit and you get hurt, uh, of course, Many times I woke up in the hospital with broken bones and uh, a lot of injuries. Um, but, you know, you can't even think about it. Yeah, yeah, injuries, you get hurt more in the morning workouts. Um, young horses that you're trying to get, you know, train and uh, 
teach everything. You get hurt in the mornings more than you do in race day. Well, thank you, Dale Cordova, for joining us tonight. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, that's fun talking horses. I, I truly enjoy watching, especially the Kentucky Derby, but, you know, any of those races in the Triple Crown are, all, are always great and a good time. And just the pageantry of racing is fantastic. So, uh, big fan. Thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I'll remind everybody, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Keep watching. Thank you for viewing this show, and we'll see you all next time. Everyone have a great night. Clear.